Hello and welcome to A Time to Live with Amanda Jane Cooper. Hey, that's me, and I am so glad that you are here. This podcast exists to be a breath of fresh air just for you. And one thing I know for sure is that your time is really precious. So thank you for sharing it with me. And let's get into A Time to Live. This is, y'all, I can't even, this bio is just like, buckle up. I'm so excited to have you on today, Veronica, because you're incredible. You're truly the definition of uh, a multi-hyphenate and incredible at everything you do. But beyond just the doing part, the being part is what strikes me most about who you are. Like the heart that you carry into each room, the light that you bring, the intentionality that you have. And um, yeah, Veronica's coached me on several auditions. (laughs) She's an amazing coach, but also so many other things. So I'm just going to go ahead and like read your bio. Okay. So that people know all these amazing facts. (laughs) Buckle up. Okay. We're going to also do a very customized lightning round for you right after this. Okay. Exciting. Exciting. (laughs) Okay, guys. Veronica Reyes Howe is an award-winning writer, actor, producer based in New York City. A graduate of the University of Michigan with a BA in, wait for it, mathematics. Okay. Amazing. She left a career in technology consulting to pursue acting when an open call audition resulted in her booking the national tour of Rent. Casual. Other acting credits include Miss Saigon, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, CBS Blue Bloods, NBC's The Blacklist, CBS Person of Interest, and ABC's Alex Inc. She produced the short film California Roll, which was accepted into 10 film festivals around the country and won the best micro thriller at the 2018 Austin Revolution Film Festival. Amazing. As a director, she has worked for TheaterWorks USA, The Barrow Group, and Unity Stage Company. We're not even close to being done yet. You guys hold on to your horses, okay? All of these roads lead her to her love of writing original narratives. Through a string of recommendations, Veronica was hired to write a pilot by an independent producer. The reading of said pilot went so well, the budget went up, and she was asked to make a six-episode series. Oh my gosh. This is under a SAG MLB contract and goes into production in June of this year. This is her first TV series writing credit. Hopefully not her last. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Also, last year, she was invited into the Sesame Street Fellowship. After completing it, she was hired by Math Talk to be the head writer and architect of the the world uh, and stories for their animated kids series, combining her love of writing, mathematics, education, and comedy. Outside of work, she's a poker enthusiast Okay. Uh, Only to use her math skills, not for money, to clarify. (laughs) She loves playing tennis and watching animal videos with her husband and their 13-year-old chihuahua, Fergus. Um, you guys, okay, I have some fun, like, lightning round questions for you. Um, So just whatever comes to mind. Okay. Okay, here we go. Writing by hand or by keyboard? Oh, keyboard. Favorite spot for date night for you and your husband, Brad? (laughs) <laughs> it's lightning round. I have to. I was like the first thing I thought of was Costco. Costco. <laughs> Listen, y'all been married for a minute. How how long? Twelve years. Okay, so twelve years deep. We love a Costco run. What? Well, and also actually, like we used to just go. This is not true anymore. But Costco used to be not populated. So on a Friday. I, Brad and I like to go where nobody else is. Love it. In the city. And so we would go to Costco on a Friday night, and there was nobody there, and we would just chill in the. 
in the like cafeteria area. <laughs> this is so amazing. So boring. Oh, but but so tender. What is nine times eight minus two? Seventy. Wow, guys. She's a mathematician. <laughs> I've never, I've, I, I have yet to ask anybody else a math question in the I, lightning round. I think that should be a new addition to all of your questions. <laughs> you know, some of our guests might have a hard time, i.e. myself. It's really fun. I literally uh, looked this up on a calculator to make sure I was correct. Okay. Um, quiet, cozy apartment or bustling cafe as a writing environment? Oh, quiet, cozy apartment. L.A. or New York? Oof, I don't, you know, I have, I have, guess I have to say New York because I'm here. I do love L.A., though. I love hiking. I love being at the beach. I love the sun. You love TV. Uh, yes, yeah. right? Yeah. Favorite TV show that you've been on? Oh, gosh. You know what? I would have to say, and I got cut, <gasps> Madam Secretary. Ooh. They were so nice. I cannot tell you. I got a letter when I got cast. Only show I've ever, only show to do this. I got a letter that said, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. And, you know, and explained like set culture. And if we're, if it seems like we're too busy, it's just because we're trying to get the show done. I, nobody has to explain that about what? TV. Like, that not, is unheard of. And then when I got on set, yeah. do you know that they, um, Eric Stoltz, the the executive producer yes. of Madam Secretary, who you know, actor uh, like extraordinaire, um, greeted me on set, like shook my hand and said, "Welcome, thank you so much for being here." And I just thought, "Do you even know who I am? <laughs> Do you wow. remember me from the callback?" That's so sweet. And then when I finished shooting, Eric Stoltz sat at a table with me and a couple of the other people that finished shooting, and. And the PAs brought us these bread bowls with soup and asked us if we need, I mean, extraordinary hospitality, which I I would love to model uh, anytime I'm ever EPing anything because I I could not get over how kind and, and gracious they were. What Just an experience. Unnecessary. Was that during COVID or was that pre-COVID? No, pre-COVID. Yeah. It was um, 20, it might have been 2018 or 19. Yeah. But then when I, nobody told me that I was caught. <laughs> they so gave I, you the welcome letter, but not the <laughs> information on, but that's all right. But it's okay. What was your, what was your part? Uh, it was an opening scene. There was a crime thing happening at a diner and uh-huh. I was the waitress at the diner serving them, uh-huh. asking them questions. And, uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, they commit this crime under the diner table, whatever. Right. And they cut that. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah, it It happens. happens. You never know. It's the one time I told people I was, so, so just as a general rule, I never say I'm in something unless, uh, until after it airs. Cause you just, you know, you don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, um, so I didn't, so everything else I've just never tell anybody, but then this is the opening scene. And and because of my experience and everything, I just I don't know. I put it on Facebook and I said, eh, "Oh, I'm I'm on tonight." You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm watching it. <laughs> Nothing. I'm like, wait, there's a scene, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's later. Yeah. Okay, maybe it wasn't the opener. It's just a little bit later. Yeah. Nope. 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 And then oh I man. Thought, and my sister said. What you you said you never tell before, just in case you never know what happens. Right. And I said, 
Yeah, but I just felt so confident that right? it would be because it's the opener. Well, that's for you when you're a showrunner and when you're an EP. Maybe that'll be a thing you do is like send a heads up to actors that maybe for whatever reason the scene had to be cut and say like you were amazing, but we just story yeah. story wise time or time. The edit didn't allow exactly. You never know. Whatever it is. Oh my gosh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, okay, what? Yeah, exactly. What's your go to karaoke song? Oh, um, I was just about to sing it, but I can't remember the name of it. Sing it. Turn around every now and then. I get a little bit lonely, but you never, you know, whatever, you know. Come on, Rent. What is it? It's, it's called Turn Around. It Turn is. Around, bright, bright eyes yeah. or something. Yeah. Every now and then I fall apart. Yeah. And I need you more tonight or something. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. For which brand would you like to do a commercial with your husband? Which brand? Because you guys do a lot of commercials, and he does. Brad Howe is like in the commercial game. He does a lot of commercials. A lot of commercials. What would you like to do? Like uh, Costco. Yes, Costco. Duh. Honestly, we would be so good. We actually have a, a short that I wrote about Costco. We need <laughs> to see this. It's because we love Costco. Yes. Okay, that's perfect. Anybody listening, let's book them. Okay. What is the single most important attribute? For you, do you feel like you, that you have that helps you in this industry? Kindness. Ooh. I think people, I think that's what people really register with the most. Mm. And I think it's what's often overlooked in this business because this business moves fast and people are busy mm-hmm. and people are stressed. And so I think um, kindness is one of the most important things. It's also because... Um, I think people will choose to be kind when they need something or when – so just general kindness and mm. care for people is – I just think that's the biggest thing that is so important and, and also such a witness, mm. right? It's it's like that's a fruit of the spirit. And so I just think when people can – when we can be kind to one another and to people, that's like the biggest way we can, we can you know, share our faith. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I lied. I have one more okay. uh, lightning round question. Who's your favorite Sesame Street character? My favorite Sesame Street character? Uh, Cookie Monster. For sure. For obvious reasons. Yeah, for all the obvious reasons. <laughs> Cookie Monster, when I was little, licensed the idea that you can just shove food in your <laughs> And that should be okay. Enjoy. Like, Cookie Monster, <laughs> he delights. There's a verse in the Bible that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what? I think Cookie Monster, he lives by that. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> My husband once said, I, I eat like Cookie Monster. And I just thought, I don't know if I want to date this person anymore. Oh, but my goodness. We got married. so Got married and now you go to Costco. Love yeah, exactly. Um, you have quite the biography. Will you tell us about your journey to University of Michigan from having a major in mathematics, working in tech consulting, and then pivoting into an acting career. What inspired you in the first place to go the math route? Um, and then ultimately, what compelled you to pivot? And how did your faith play a part in that? Yeah, so I picked math. Actually, interestingly enough, I my freshman year, I took a computer science class, a programming class. Like in high school? Uh, no, in uh, sorry, my freshman year of college. Oh, okay. Um, and so I, uh, my major was economics at first, uh, just because, you know, you just choose something random. And so I just chose that. And then I took a programming class, and I loved it so much. And I got an A, I think like it's an A+, plus, like 
because my brother was getting his master's in artificial intelligence. And every time I did my homework, I'd show him what I was programming. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you the answer. I'm going to show you how this could be more efficient. This could be more efficient. You could do this differently. And then you got to figure it out. And I... I was so obsessed with it. I would go to the computer lab. Back then, there was a computer lab, and we didn't have individual computers to do our homework on. And so I would I would spend all night just programming, and I loved it. And then I went to my my um, academic advisor, and I said, I'd want to switch to computer science. And he said, no. Why? He said he didn't think I could handle it. No. Yes. He Sir? said, I don't think you would do well. So he legit didn't let you? Didn't let me. (laughs) What? And so I thought, well, okay, I'm I'm really good at this, and I love it. Yeah. And so I don't know why I didn't fight it. I just ended up picking math instead, so I majored in math. Wow. And then what happened after college? Did you pursue – you did consulting Mm -hmm. until the age of? I did consulting until the age of – I was 24, so I, it, it was quick. I was a consultant, and I was working a lot. Like, they, they, they let me manage my own projects. I think they, they were like, yeah, great. You, you just set up your deadlines, and, you know, you wow. know your deliverables. And so, so I, I did that early on. Um, but in college, I also joined an acapella. So going back, I was in an acapella group, and mm. most of the people in the acapella group, it's called Amazing Blue, were musical theater majors, and my boyfriend at the time was a musical theater major. And um, anyway, I love musical theater anyway, um, mostly like the pop rock stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so that started the sort of idea in my head. And then um, when I was in Chicago working, I took like voice lessons, and and then I went to this open call, and it <laughs> and it. I mean, the long the long short of it is it. I booked. Rent. What? Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. This is Amanda just popping on real quick to tell you about my newsletter. That's right, y'all. I am in the newsletter game. Each week I send out behind the scenes of this podcast as well as my fascinating guests and other projects of mine in theater, film, television, and more. You'll be the first to know about concerts, bookings, uh, discount codes, weekly thoughts, what I'm learning, and encouragements that are exclusive to this list. So if you want to be even more connected, I would invite you to go to amandajanecooper.com and sign up. Thanks all, and let's get back to the episode. So you're like legitimately working your tech job and then just like, you know what? I think this open call, let me just see what happens. Yeah. What? Yeah. So what was that call like? And then did you, (laughs) you gave your two weeks notice and then you just left? Well, yeah, funny enough. So I did give my notice. The interesting thing about the company is like six or eight months later, the company ended up closing um but yeah so I just switched out oh my goodness and yeah did you feel a nudge from God to do that were you kind of like walking with Jesus at that time nope (laughs) okay so I was not I, I no I was not walking with Jesus at that time and also I but I will tell you that when I got down to the final, I think it was just a thing like, oh, I'm just going to go to this thing and we'll just see what happens. Yeah. What have you got to lose? Yeah. It's an open call. Everyone can go. Well, that's what I thought in my head. But then when I auditioned and I started getting down to the end, it was maybe the first time I actually prayed with fervor. I, I was like, Lord, I really want this thing. Will you give it to me? Actually, it wasn't even will you. That's how I pray now is I, I request kindly and with respect. And also I just... 
I always say, God, you know, open doors that you want to open, close doors that you want to close. That At that point, I just said, God, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> give me right. Oh, wow. But God did. And, wow. Um, yeah. And, but I was not walking with the Lord. And even when I went to rent, I wasn't really walking with the Lord. Did you have a concept of God? Like you said, you prayed to him. Did you have a framework for, for Jesus before, yeah. like from childhood? And then yeah. you, okay. I grew up uh, in a Catholic home. Okay. My parents are devout Catholic and we would go to, you know, we'd go to church every week and obviously on, on like Easter and Christmas and, um, but we didn't really pray as a family. Uh, but I always went to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So it was it was like compartmentalized. Mm. So on the road with rent, what was that experience like for you? Did your faith sort of develop on the road at all? Or uh, was that later in life? Later. Okay. It was, it was after rent, I feel like. Um, so on the road with rent. Rent was amazing and it was so exciting. And I, I mean, I think I was funny in the cast in that there were a number of nights where I, so I, the opener, I would start, I was Alexi Darling and understudied Mimi, but I would start at the top of the rafters uh-huh. and everybody else was in a, in a like clump down, um, on, on the stage. And <laughs> I would always, right before we'd go on or right before, you know, curtain rope and I would say, Hey guys, we're doing right. <laughs> I was so <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, you know, like like it got old after a while, but I just I was so excited to just be there, and I loved the musical so much, and um, yeah, it was just a really exciting time. Mm. But I will also say, I mean, it's just a funny thing to have to figure out how to do musical theater in your first job as a prof- like as a professional. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of things that I had to learn, and a lot of things that um, I was just sort of ramping up on quickly. Um, yeah, it was a really good time, though, overall. I would say in, in like, one sense, it was really exciting. I would also say in another sense, it was a really dark time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think that I necessarily noticed that then. Because mm. then after Rent, I went to Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started developing more of a relationship with the Lord. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'll just let, it's funny, there was a girl who came to replace me, and she said, um, oh, I just wanted you to know. We had lunch a couple times, mm-hmm. and she said, oh, I, I wanted you to know that God told me to come on this tour. I'm a Christian, and there was somebody God wanted me to talk to specifically, and it's you. Wow. And I said, oh, th- you know, the cast is huge. The orchestra is huge. There's a lot of people in this production. And, and is said, this she was replacing you from Rent or Miss Saigon? Uh, Miss Saigon. Got it. Okay. And so she said, um, and it's you. And I said, uh, it's not me. I'm like, it's very much not me. Um, and she said, no, I'm pretty sure it's you. And she, yeah, she shared the gospel with me. And I just thought, oh, that's nice. That would be nice to believe. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know. I never heard God explained in that context. A very loving father, kind. Um, a rescuer. Like- yeah. Um, just all the things that we, you know, a comforter, a healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't know God in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was new, and I just thought, oh, that's interesting, but I think you have the wrong person. Mm. But she was insistent, and then, long story short, she ended up inviting me to her church when she got back into town. And that is, like, a big a big part of my um, my faith walk of coming back to to the Lord. It really is amazing. Also, she was so certain. Hmm. It was 
I just thought there were so many. I mean, we're still friends now, mm-hmm. and I just think there's so many people you could have said that to, and mm. I just, you know, that you were so certain also that it was me, and yeah, yeah. I love how specific the Lord is. I know when he goes when he's after you, right? You know, yeah. It wow. really it feels that felt. It's funny because at the time I couldn't recognize it as special because mm. I just thought, no, she's just wrong. Right, right. <laughs> she's it didn't. Wrong. It didn't hit you then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's that's not what's happening. I, yeah. You must be hearing wrong. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, I want to know on the acting side of things, can you let us into kind of any onset stories or lessons that you learned? I know we talked about Madam Secretary, but um, on Blue Bloods or The Blacklist or Person of Interest, Alex Inc., um, do you have any tips for actors as they navigate set or responsibility of their roles um, theatrically, but also commercially because you've done both? Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind for you? Oh, gosh. I... I want to share this because I really want to be of maximum help. <laughs> We're ready. Honestly, We're ready. People, I think a lot of times uh, the information or the secrets of the industry aren't readily shared. And I just think this industry is so tough. If you can help people get a little bit of a leg up, like, why not? Yeah. Um, and one of them is I, I've been on several jobs, but I can think of a couple commercials where during fittings or during um, rehearsal or whatever, s- actors will be very chatty. And I just know I can, if I'm nervous, I'm chatty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to be chatty, but uh, but I've watched people get fired because they'll be a little bit too chatty in rehearsals, in um, in fittings. Really? In Yes. Interesting. Why did this, does the, the powers that be, they're just like, this is um, uh, annoying or sort of not helpful? I'm guessing a little bit of both. Mm. I think people are worried about set time mm-hmm. and making their day. Right. And making sure that nothing slows it down. Getting all the shots and moving Getting, right along. Yes, mm-hmm. being quick. So if you have some chatty Cathy's, who make the day longer or or stretch things out. That's what I've been told because I've also followed up on some of these things and said, like, what, what, happened? what happened and why this or whatever. And different directors and producers have let me into sort of their process. And, yeah, so that's been something that I thought was really, um, you know, so it doesn't mean don't talk. I think I took it to an extreme, and I've been on different sets where <laughs> – just don't say anything. Like the only thing I will say is my lines. That's yeah. It. <laughs> I so so funny enough though. I watched it so many times where people got fired. And then when I went to uh, Alex Inc. on ABC, Zach Braff is the director, the producer, but also the lead. And he started talking to me. You know, before he's he's sort of like they're the crew setting up the stage, and he was talking to me, and I just. I kept thinking, like, don't say anything. And, you know, but this person is trying to talk to me. And right. then even after I finished shooting, well, a PA got me in my trailer and just said, hey, um, Zach wants you to come back to set. And I thought, oh, maybe we're reshooting something or whatever. I, I can come back to set. And they're still setting up the reverse shot. And uh, and she said, oh, no, you're, you're wrapped. He just wanted to say thank you and goodbye. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. And he walks up. I don't know why my brain was still stuck in, like, don't talk. Um, but he said, thank you so much. You know, it was so great to have you on set. And I went, mm-hmm. I just... 
Well, because I'm thinking he has a million responsibilities. He does not have time for you. Oh. Um, so, so I give both of those yeah. examples of I've seen people be too chatty and then lose their jobs. But then also, you know, there's there's the there's the human side of it. Yeah. I, I could have said, hey, we went to the same camp growing up, um, like a theater camp growing up, and and uh, you know, I could have said a million things. Right. Um, but I didn't. I just said, mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. And I just laughed. <laughs> That's really good. That's good. That's really good insight. How do you prepare for your roles? Like, let's say you book something. What is your process before you get to set? Uh, TV, film, or theater? or T- um, Let's talk TV, film. TV, film. So uh, if I book something and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go shoot it, I mean, my process is always evolving. I think it's, you know, it should. Yeah. Right? So I try to do research on whoever I'm in the scene with, mm-hmm. usually you'll know, you know, who, who the other actors are. Cause it's usually, if you're on a, t- if I'm on a TV show, I feel like there's usually it's, I know I'm paired with like Donnie Wahlberg or, you know, whatever, you know, whoever's on the show. Mm-hmm. So I look up their work and what they do. I also, you know, really try to have the backstory, uh, and have all of my, uh, all of my lines have such depth or layer to what I'm saying because it lives inside of me. I, I, like the story of this character, um, I try to usually now because I've written so much, I try to write the character, and I just it's not what's on the page and it's not what's there, but I create the story of this character, mm. and then that's kind of like. Just so you make that iceberg effect where people will see or hear from your character like this much, but there's the sense that there's just so much more below the surface. Um, So that's one thing that I do to prepare. And then, you know, I just try to be rested. I learned this really great tip. Um, I know that your husband runs marathons. My husband runs marathons. And I I ran a marathon before my husband. And um, But I've run like a couple marathons in New York City. And one thing that I thought was so helpful from marathon training, because I'm not naturally athletic. I'm naturally like a cookie eater who sits on the couch. What's so helpful is um, marathon runners will say, even if you don't sleep the night before, because people are so nervous. Yeah. Even if you don't sleep, as long as your legs are elevated and you're laying back and you're resting, that will be enough. Hmm. And and having run a couple marathons and not really getting a lot of sleep, that's true. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. You can run 26.2 miles on little to no sleep. My first marathon, I took a, a train. I was doing spelling bee in Boston, and I took a train. They let me out early. I was a swing, hmm. and I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't on, so they let me out a little bit early. So I got a train at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Saturday night, got to New York City at, I don't remember, like 2 or 3 a.m., went to my apartment, slept for an hour, got on the bus, and then was able to, to run. Oh, But because I felt confident because so many marathoners will say, as long as you're, you know, lay back, you just try to be relaxed and rested. So that teaches me that, you know, if you're nervous and you can't sleep, mm-hmm. don't let that ruin the next. Don't re- let that ruin the event or the day. Wow, you can, you can run a marathon off of just. That's so good, especially because for TV and film, we have these weird call times. Like I remember yes. when I did Hello Ladies on HBO out in LA, my call time was literally 10 p.m. to start shooting at like one or two on Hollywood Boulevard for 
hours, you know, or sometimes yeah. your call time is like 3.30 in the morning yeah. to then start shooting at whatever, 5.30. Um, was that hard prep then? Because, I mean, were you like, okay, I got to sleep the whole day before? Yes, but I was also so amped with yeah. adrenaline. Yeah. So then I wake up and I'm like, oh my goodness, my eyes are puffy. What do I do? But that's such a good, um, a good way to think about it, that if you're giving your body rest, even if it's not sleep, that can be a good prep. Yeah, it's enough. That camera, that camera doesn't lie. I know. The camera can pick up your eyes <laughs> that are puffy. <laughs> I know. You know, I really rely on great makeup. I, I've been, I think I've been fortunate that I've found people who are really good makeup people. Same. Yes. And also, Gosh, do you know the that. spoon trick? You put a spoon in the freezer. Yes. I've never used it before. I don't, I'm not sure I get puffy underneath. Okay. It, yeah, it's, but, um, and yes. I have a roller thing now too that I, you can put in the freezer, and then when you wake up, you can kind of depuff your face. Does with it, it really work? I think so. And even if it's the placebo effect, it's like worth it. It probably just makes you feel good too. Exactly. Exactly. Also, the distribution of things in your face. You exactly. Know? Like distribution. I want to pivot to your career as a writer, which is amazing. Um, will you tell us, you ha- you wrote this one-hour medical drama called American Doctor mm-hmm. that's based on the life of your own mother. It qualified as a 2021 Screencraft True Story and Public Domain finalist, as well as a 2021 Stowe Story Lab finalist and a Screencraft Fellowship finalist. Um, will you tell us about the the story of your mom and what inspired you to write this? Yeah. I'm like, what's the true story? <laughs> and will Whatever. she ever listen to this? Whatever you'd like to share. <laughs> no, you know, I, but the real story is, um, I just think my mom is an extraordinary person. Mm-hmm. And she had her own practice. She's now retired, but she had her own practice for mm, about 50 years, private practice. And, um, you know, and that started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And she uh, ran her own practice and... Um, because, GP, yeah, GP mm-hmm. and and um, internist, like a blood specialist, but because of her photographic memory, she was able to diagnose so many people who'd gone through years of misdiagnoses. Uh, one of them being my uncle. My uncle always talks about how great my mom is because he lives in D.C. and he had some of the best medical doctors. But for I think three to five years, nobody could figure out what was going on with his system and he was going through tests he said very painful tests and they just couldn't figure it out but you know when someone has a photographic memory even the rarest things or you know they'll remember all the little details Mm -hmm. and so my mom sitting across from him one day I think it was during summer vacation when they were visiting our house and uh she was able to diagnose it Wow. She just, just by the way he was swallowing, she said there was something odd and she ordered these tests. But she has done that for so many people. And I just thought, it's funny because we have these shows like House MD and, you know, these fictional characters. But I know a real life woman who did that mm. and does that. And and I just wanted to, you know, the other part of it, too, is, um, you know, my mom is such a is such an extraordinary person. And then as a mother, to be her daughter is a different view. It's a different mm-hmm. lens. And I just wanted to understand her personally better because I don't think I – I'm not sure that I did understand her growing up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we had a lot of friction growing mm-hmm. up. And so um, I wrote the pilot, one, because I'd always wanted to and I thought it was a cool idea. But I also just wanted to understand her better. And I and all of those things I think happened and um, yeah so it was a really cool experience to write that out. Did she love it? 
<laughs> she she thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, because it's not fully her life. Some of it's dramatized uh-huh. for TV. And she just said, you can't write those things about me. And because you know, I said, it's not your life. It's based on your life. Okay? <laughs> right. It's not right. you. Inspired. It's inspired Did by. Did you write yourself into this script? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, so it starts in the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, when, when she first came to the United States and, and um, was a medical student and still training. So... Um, so I wouldn't even be in the picture, but if that ever got made into something, I think it would be really interesting to see the part where she started to, she had four kids, Mm. no help, four kids and was a doctor running her own practice. And my dad had a full-time job. He's an engineer. And I mean, so I think there's some chaos there. That's really interesting. Totally. And where did she come from to the United States? Uh, the Philippines. So she grew up in the, in Manila. Wow. Uh, and your dad as well? or My dad as well. Uh, they both met in, they actually met in Pittsburgh, um, but they both grew up in the Philippines. Mm. But my mom, interestingly enough, she's half American. Her maiden name is White. Mm. And her, it's so interesting, you can trace her all the way back. She was a descendant of the first baby on the Mayflower. What? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Where I'm like, I gotta write that story, right? Okay, I mean, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I have to write that story because there, you know, it was not a lot of the people from the Mayflower survived. It was right. very difficult, and especially when they landed. But uh, Peregrine White is my like ninth grandfather. What? Yeah, removed. Fascinating. Yeah. So your mom and dad both speak Tagalog, which is the language of the Philippines. Do you? Um, speak a little bit of it. Only insults. No. Ah! <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, just for very, your very little. Like yeah. mean to each other. Just, just saying bad words. No, uh, a, a very, very little bit. I understand a lot. Mm-hmm. I can speak a little bit. Gotcha. Um, okay, you had a half-hour comedy called Emotional Support. So you write comedy and drama. I wanted to ask you, what do you like writing more? I like writing both in every script. So even my medical drama, it's interesting. A lot of the notes that I got were were the people said, this tone is confusing. It's confusing because it's like funny and it's dramatic. And I said, yeah, it's funny and it's dramatic. Just like life. Yeah. I'm like, well, but it, it's a, I, don't, I think that perspective may be fading a little bit. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. blended shows are quite normal. And I really, I mean, if you think about Fleabag, mm-hmm. you know, that's a blended show. It's comedy and drama at, at both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I actually feel like even when I write something as a comedy, everything I write is comedy drama. I write both. Love that. And I just was curious about, like, for you and Brad, um, in your marriage, how does faith play a role? And then also for you in this whole journey that sometimes you're on the mountaintop and you're like, pinch me. I'm a cro- I'm doing a scene with this incredible legend. Right. And then also receiving rejection. Like how how does the Lord help you through that stuff? How do you think? Oh, my about- gosh. I feel like, first of all, for Brad and I, Brad... I didn't tell you how I met him, but anyway, I met him at church. Um, Not the church that we go to Mm -hmm. now, but a church that we went to that no longer exists anymore. But it was in the city. And um, the thing about Brad was Brad was maybe one of the only people that would let me talk about God all the time. And and when we were just friends. And I did want to talk about God all the time. And I had other friends who said, you talk about God too much. It's annoying. (laughs) And I just thought, why would I want to talk about anything else? I mean, just... 
I was just I don't know. So 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 that's who Brad was to me when we were just friends, mm. and it was so great. And so God is everything, and I've just learned so much. He's so patient with me. Brad is. God is too. Yeah. <laughs> Love is patient. <laughs> Both of them are very patient with me. Um, but yeah, so it, it's for me. It's everything. Our faith is 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 our cornerstone. It's everything of how we navigate the industry, how we navigate our lives, mm-hmm. what's important. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I think sometimes people miss, will not understand faith when they, when they don't have a faith background or mm-hmm. they don't understand, you know, because other people might misconstrue it for them. But it's the care of people and the love of people because that's what God thinks is important. And, um, that's been so paramount for us. And so talking about like navigating the industry, it's taken years to really get to a place where I feel and believe that my validation comes from the Lord. And so, um, you know, I still have moments where I, I don't realize I'm putting my my value in something mm-hmm. else. But it's so God is so gracious in letting me see that and then me just repenting and and um and reflecting on okay god change that in my heart that mm. that i want to i want my value to be in you and um and in nothing else and um yeah so that's that's been it's still a journey mm-hmm. right cuz i sometimes i think gosh you know i'm i i love the lord and and uh, like that's all I need, but then I still have these desires and these things that I want and things that, you know. Um, but I, I'm thankful. I feel like my faith journey has led me to a place where I can ride the waves much easier than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm doing something that gets a lot of accolades. Or I'm, you know, on an excursion in Alaska where someone says, you, you're not an actor. You don't even look like an actor. You know? <laughs> so where I can just just say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Or, mm. that's, if that's your experience, sure. Um, and just validate whatever they're saying uh, and not not come away with too many wounds about it. So I feel like, and, and what you're talking about with the rejection, just that being very real. But I've, I've just... I feel like I've seen so many times where the Lord validates me as a person and just affirms that I am loved, mm-hmm. which I didn't know for so long mm. and didn't believe. And it just changed everything. Mm. I mean, it changed the way I saw people. It changed the way I treated myself. Mm-hmm. I think which is the biggest thing is I didn't treat myself very well for years. Mm. And, um, and I feel like because... I acknowledge God and spent time getting to know the Lord and because and acknowledging that I'm loved mm-hmm. has shifted so many things. Just everything. Yeah, my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Um I would I'm curious if there's someone listening right now who is on a faith journey. For you it's like I'm curious why Jesus and what would you say to maybe a person who is wondering is God real? Does he love me? Like, how do I have a relationship with him? Yeah, I think one of the things that I really appreciated about my faith journey was that people 
nobody shoved anything down my throat, which was so nice. Mm -hmm. And I say that not because people do that, but because it could be a possible way to say, this is what you should believe. Um, Even my own parents, when I was questioning and, and searching out other religions, my own parents said, you know, but if God is real, God will show up and show you who he is. Mm. And, um, and you know, and when I would make objections about the Catholic Church and I would say things about Jesus or God, you know, one thing my mom was really great at, she just said, you know, just don't conflate man and God. Mm. And so don't think that God, because certain believers or followers of God do certain things, don't don't think that that's who God is. Right. Right. Because because people will get it wrong. Right. The brokenness of man versus versus the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really great and compelling. But my mom always just left it as a choice. Mm -hmm. She never even with her other kids, too, like all of us. Yeah. It's a choice that she leaves open and she prays for us many times a day, (laughs) her and my dad. Um, And then, you know, I I just think people like why Jesus? I think if you want to know and you're curious it, you know, scripture says like, um, seek and ask and, and you will find. And, and I think the, the Lord shows up when you want him to show up. When you seek him. Yeah. When you seek him, you will find him. And, and he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you mm-hmm. and, um, seek me and I, you know, and you will find me. So I think that's a really important thing to just take note of that. If you are curious, mm-hmm. start investigating mm. and and that for me I had a lot of investigation to do and a lot of questions maybe that's why I was annoying I just had a lot of questions you know because I uh when I started to believe that maybe God was real um I read the Bible mm-hmm. full through with this like new living translation and I wrote down a lot of questions and I read all these other books like by Henry Nowen and mm. um Henry Blackaby, like all these various books about like the Holy Spirit, God, and uh, and God showed up. Mm. I mean, I thought people at first because I became I came from a Catholic background, so nobody talked about hearing from God directly. Mm-hmm. Nobody said like God said this, but I went to this charismatic church where people said God told me this, God told me that, and I just thought, what are you hearing? And um, but lo and behold. I started praying, God, I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear you say something to me. Mm. And God showed up wow. um, so many times and in confirmable ways that you, I couldn't contest. So I just, yeah, I would encourage anybody who is considering it, seek, 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 yeah. and read and ask questions and find people and be curious because if it is true, it it's changes. Everything. It's everything. <laughs> You know, I just think of this one time of just hearing God from God, and it was undeniable. Um, I was in debt. So I had a job. Well, in Spelling Bee, I was making a nice amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on an equity tour mm-hmm. and you get, like, huge per diem, but you also have huge salary. So, um, and I could almost not spend what I was making. And... Um, then after I finished that job, I kept living like <laughs> I was still making that money, right. and I got into debt. Anyway, long story short, I got this after-school teaching job that a friend helped me get, and um, but I was trying to get out of debt. I wasn't using credit cards. I was only using cash. I used, like, this envelope system, and it was really, really disciplined. Um, and 
I had also been praying to hear from the Lord at that same time. And I went to the subway. This is on a Saturday. I went to the subway and I um, passed somebody who was asking for food. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman, and she looked really beaten up. She was like in her 70s and she looked like somebody had, you know, punched her in the face. Mm. And she said, um, could you buy me lunch? And I said, no, I'm sorry. And I just walked down the subway stairs. And I, I feel like it wasn't a actual hear. I have heard from the Lord audibly, like maybe once or twice, but I just got the impression, um, go buy your lunch. Mm. And I started arguing with it because I said, no, like I can't. I'm in debt and I'm not, I'm not spending money on my credit card and I don't have cash and I'm not doing this. But it was so strong. Yeah. It was palpable. And I didn't make it to the turnstile, turned around, drudged up, very unwilling. And I just said, okay, do you want me to buy you lunch? And she said, oh, my gosh, yes, please, thank you so much, which you know that's not a typical response in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. But So I said, okay. Um, and then, anyway, she she asked for a sandwich and chips and soda, and it was 20 bucks. This is going to sound outrageous, but I was only spending $20 a week on groceries. Wow. So there was a farmer's market, yeah. and you could buy, like, pasta and vegetables. I was, so I was – eating vegetarian, Mm -hmm. and only spending $20 a week. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, this one woman's meal is $20. My whole week. That's my whole week. And I was so begrudging. Anyway, I swiped the credit card because I don't have any other way to pay for it. And um, I don't have that cash. And uh, when I went home, anyway, long story short, I was saying in my head, I'm like, God, you better pay me back. Uh Veronica, I know. I know. Hey, you know what? The Lord <laughs> so is gracious. a patient, kind father, and he gets it. He gets yes. us. We can come to him and say uh, yes and, and, yep. and really and Scott. I, I was so ungracious, mm. but I did say, God, you better pay me back. And then lo and behold, the very next day, I'm on my way to church and in the street. So I paid $20 for her, but I remember thinking... I passed um, my super son on the way in when I came home, and I just thought, oh, man, you know, I like those days when I was a kid. You know, that he was like a kid. He's like probably 15. And I said, and, and adults would say, hey, here's some money to go buy some candy. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I was just feeling bad for myself. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't even have anything to give this kid. Hmm. Anyway, I walk out the next morning on the way to church, and there's just cash on the on the ground. What? In New York City, right in uh, in Midtown, so it's like 55th and and 7th Avenue. There's a pile of cash and so I pick it up because nobody's around. And I just thought, what? Like what is that? And there's nobody there, so I pick it up. I count it out. It's $67. And I that was so significant to me because it was 20 for the ladies' food, 20 for me and 20 for the kid and 7 is the number of completion. And I just thought Wow, you are so gracious, God. It was one of the first lessons I learned of the Lord providing and generosity. And I've, I have so many more of those stories that extend. Yeah. But that was the first time I really heard the Lord say something. And then he met me the very next day in it. And I just, that, it, it meant a lot. It just meant a lot. I felt like, wow, you know, I, even in my generosity and my grumbliness, mm. the Lord was so gracious in meeting me. Amen. Yeah. Wow. 
That's powerful. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Wow. It's, you've done so much. I mean, I didn't even highlight this yet, that out of 700, I'm sorry, 7,500 candidates at the Disney ABC Television Group's ninth New York Actor Showcase, you got chosen among 10 actors. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Isn't that amazing? How how did before you give advice? Uh, what how did that experience shape you? That's huge. How did it shape me? You know what? Honestly, it's probably still shaping me. I was not. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. I had a really hard time accepting. I think I spent. I think the catalyst of that, and and I spent maybe ten years in that program, just just thinking, how would I? Why? Why me? Yeah, why me? I'm Mm -hmm. not that worthy. And there's nothing really that special about me. And like, why? Um, But Marcy Phillips is one of the kindest, nicest women. I took a class with her. Mm -hmm. And from that class, she put me in the callbacks. Mm -hmm. And then she called me after the selection process. It's kind of an intense selection process. And just said, you're in. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Me? <laughs> and she said, yeah. I'm like, are you lying? Like, what? Oh, and uh, yeah, so it was. But um, but the thing is, is it, it just really blew my mind. I wasn't ready for it. Mm. And I, I wasn't even, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared. But I will say, because because one of the things they said is, you know, you are, like, people who've been in that program are like Chadwick Boseman, Lupita Nyong'o. Daniel Sanjata, like people, like they're giants. Um, uh, not America Ferrara, but I can't remember her name. Um, Jane the Virgin. Gina, um, Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez. Yeah, mm-hmm. so all of these people have gone through this program. But uh, yeah, so it just, it felt unreal. And I just always felt the imposter syndrome of, of like, well, I don't know, I slipped through the cracks and I'm here. Um, but... You know, the best, she, she's the person who kept telling me to write. Mm. She said, you, you should write. You should write. And then she even said, and here's the bigger thing. She said, you should write. And then if you write something, send it to me. And I'll, And you know that I wrote a part of American Doctor when it was not even a full pilot yet. I, I entered it into the Barrow Group. It was during the pandemic. They did a reading of 10 pages of your project. And mine got picked. And she came to the reading for it. Marcy. Yeah. And it meant so much. First of all, all the other actors and all the other writers were like, what is she doing here? She's yeah. the, you know, because she's such a, a big influence in the industry. Yeah. And um, she was so gracious to just give kind notes and encouragement. And um, I'm not going to cry. Wow. I just, because like that, that really... I don't know. Encouragement is such a big thing for me. I just, I don't think I grew up with a lot of it. And it's not because my parents are bad people. It's just not how they were raised. Mm-hmm. Or it's not just, they're just not used to that. And so mm-hmm. that this stranger woman that I just met in a class would say, you know, you, you're, you're worth something <laughs> and you should do this thing. I didn't believe her really. And also I just, I couldn't really give it its due, all those auditions and things like that. I, I, um, I just didn't feel worth it. Mm. But the writing thing, you know, she was still even supportive in that process and that, and even to this day, still so supportive. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing what support and like encouragement does, you know. And so, yeah, it just meant, 
totally did not mean to grab <laughs> beautiful like pull it together veronica no but it's true i feel like there there are people along the path that like without them your life would be different your life would not be what it is right now no and you might not have had the confidence or the or the oh somebody i don't know if i believe in myself but like this person who i respect i mean the power of being seen yeah oh it's it's so, and that's like even with the Lord. Yeah, you know, oh my He gosh. just moves through other other people even to see us. Yeah. Well, it's funny because she's the first person that told me I was funny. Really? Yeah. And she said, I said, I, I did a scene, and she, you know, people laughed a lot at it in class, and this is before the ABC mm. showcase, and I just said, oh, thank you so much for letting me do that scene. I feel like it really, you know, I, I got to, like, try my hand at comedy. She said, you are very funny. Mm. You don't know that you're very funny, but you're very funny. And I called my siblings, because my whole family is very funny. They're yeah. very funny. And I called them, and I said... The, like, head of ABC in New York thinks I'm funny. <laughs> they were they were like, really? <laughs> um, what is it like to work for Sesame Street? Well, it was a fellowship. So you don't, I'm not actually, like, working for them. But the Sesame Fellowship is okay. sponsored by them. And, they're, you know, they put their resources behind it. It was really amazing. I mean, just the way that they basically, tra- you know, I didn't know this. Um, kids writers, like kids animation writers, uh, I'm not sure where else you could really learn it. Because, for example, when you learn TV writing, you can find any script from any TV show or any movie, really. Online. Online. You can just, Uh and and then you can look at the structure, you can break it down, and people talk about, like, Breaking Bad. You can get that script. You can get any script, really. Right. Kids, you cannot. Because it's so much less text, or and some of it's just visual, or no, it's locked down. It's locked down. They really? do not release it. It's not widely available. You can almost barely find it. So if you wanted to learn the structure of kids' writing, it's very difficult. You have to, like, watch the show. Maybe you'd have to watch the show. That's probably one way you could do it is, like, transcribe it and then figure out how they write it and, how, and the structure. But mostly... You'd have to be taught it somewhere, like at a fellowship. So Nickelodeon has fellowships. Sesame has fellowships. There's various fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, may, Disney also has a fellowship as well. So you'd have to learn it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. You'd have, somebody would have to teach it to you. So, so that was really helpful for me because I didn't know kids writing um, as much. And, and it was such a, it's a very supportive environment. I'm still in touch with the people who, you know, anytime things happen with my jobs or, or whatever, I still email the mentors and the, um, the woman who ran the program, her Mm -hmm. name is Rosemary. And, and they're so gracious about, uh, just, you know, helping, Mm -hmm. which is really, which is really nice. Amazing. You also have this incredible June 2023, this pilot that is now a six-episode series. How do we follow along with that? Great question. Well, we're still in, we're in, well, basically in pre-production, I mean, all the way up until June, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, how would you follow along with it? You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't. We'll just go to your website and yeah. <laughs> look for updates. Um, no, I mean, it has an IMDb page. Ooh. I mean, it has an IMDb credit, and, okay. and so all that stuff is we'll up there. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Because the more we can get eyes on it on IMDb, we can up the star meter of the yes. thing, right? Or something. Yeah. So, and we'll, you know, it'll, it'll probably get some visibility in the next month or 
or or six weeks, we're we're moving into the casting phase, and there's a couple names being tossed around that that are that are name names, mm-hmm. um, and maybe if that works out, then then we would get some like deadline articles and things like that. For the parents and the aunties and the uncles who have littles who are listening, really really cool. Veronica is like the head basically in charge of all the writing that has to do with this amazing series called Math Talk. Um, And she's like the architect of the world and stories for their animated kids series, which combines her love of writing, math, education, and comedy. That's so cool. So interesting thing about kids animated worlds, which I didn't know, it takes two and a half years to sort of get into production. So it's a long process. So in two and a half years, (laughs) you can look up this thing. Um, No, but they, uh, you know, we're still in the phase of writing premises. I'm building story engines for, they have all this IP of stories and things that they want to create. So I'm in the process of building story engines. And then the writer's room is creating premise. I am also creating premises and eventually we'll build them out to episodes. And then eventually we'll have them, you know, we'll have the schematics of, of getting them animated or just starting to develop characters. We don't even know necessarily what the characters of all these things look like. So I'm in the very, very early stages. And I hope, I hope I'm still around with them when we start to design, you know, we work with animators to design, like, what should this character look like? Right. Um, and then and then we'll move down that path. And then all of a sudden they'll animate it. And we still, we, we have, like, I have a curriculum meeting this Friday mm-hmm. to understand what curriculum also has to go into the show because it has a focus on math. Um, and, uh, yeah, so so it's, it's a long process. Mm-hmm. And I'm just in the beginning stages of it. But it's really exciting. So exciting. I feel like you could voice one of them. I feel like your voice could lend itself to. Well, I'm like, they, yeah, they have this easy in because I've done so many. I've done so many animated shows and characters, um, mostly through these two things called Speakaboos, which has all these different stories. And I used mm-hmm. to animate like. I don't know, something like 20, 30 characters. And then um, I also worked for another thing called Pinna, which is um, podcasts. For It's a podcast, like, hub for everything for kids. Huh. And um, and so I did a lot of voices for their stuff as well. So Oh, my gosh. So I, I'm like, yeah, I, I can voice anything. What yes, do you want me to voice? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. How cool. Yeah, it's fun. Well, consider this my audition into this microphone. I can do a kid voice for you if you'd like. Yeah, and then we'll do like these two little kids, and this one has a peanut allergy. Yeah, you have an allergy, but I can give you my inhaler. You can you can get better with me. That's so cute. That's so cute. That's such a cute little kid. Oh, maybe one day it'll be used for something. Um, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Ab- Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate that you have spent this time with us today. That's our episode, and we will see you next time. Bye.